0: Get your Bibles out if you would. Oh, by the way, we have postponed the Valentine's uh, couple's dinner um, with surgeries and sicknesses and nobody buying tickets. Um, We decided to cancel that, so we will do better in advertising that and get the word out in the community. I'm going to bookend this series. What I mean by that is I'm preaching the first one and the last one, and I've asked Pastor Frank to preach in the middle. Uh, We were talking and discussing this year and praying together and um, he had this emotion in motion as a sermon. And I said, well, I think that's a whole series because, you know, our God has created us with emotions and there's all types of emotions. What has happened down through the years, the church has not addressed those emotions or they've told people to suppress emotions those emotions, and we have not dealt with from the pulpit or in teaching or one-on-one counseling with mental health. I mean, we'll pray for people with cancer all day long. But if somebody's uh, experiencing depression or if somebody's experiencing frustration, fear, anxiety, and let's even go with anger, uh, we we, we would pray for people with anger, but we would pray for them to be delivered from anger. No, you can express your anger. It's an emotion that God created you with. Uh, and, but there are healthy ways to express those that helps us uh, with our mental health. So this morning we're going to address anger uh, as we look at emotions through this uh, month and these series. Just hope to teach you a little bit because, Lisa and I, our desire is to see you healed and whole. You are spiritually healed and hold, whole whole. Your soul is beginning to line up with that. That's your mind, will, and emotions as you change your thinking, right? Right thinking leads to right, uh, and right believing leads to right behavior, not right behavior leads to right thinking. you got to think right before you can act right. Um, so uh, we're not here to give you a behavior modification program or a sin management program, but I am going to talk about anger management this morning. Uh, in light of the Scriptures, and what Jesus said about anger because we des- we believe that even our mental health is something that w- God wants to help us grow in, be healed in and be strengthened in. Amen. So danger is anger with a d. See that? It's oh, it destroys relationships. Not just marriages, but work relationships, um, siblings, uh, parenting. It, when, when anger is not managed uh, and expressed rightly, um, then it can be dangerous to our relationships. Do you know that it even causes health issues? Listen to this. When you get angry... And you have an outburst, it causes stress hormones to be released into your body, and that weakens your um, immune system and it destroys neurons in your brain. I don't know about you, but I cannot spare any neurons in my brain being destroyed. It also fires up the body's fight or flight response and it causes a burst of energy that tightens the blood vessels and causes blood pressure to soar. It has been linked to increased risk of heart disease and heart attack. When anger is frequent and prolonged, it becomes a dangerous and serious issue in one's life. Um, anger is also known as rage, wrath, fury. Anger is one of the primary human emotions that's marked by bitterness. We've talked about uprooting bitterness. It's, there's hostility and aggression. Uh, does, has anybody ever seen any aggression in our culture? <laughs> marked by hostility and rage? I mean, I can't scroll through reels on Facebook and not see a fight. You know, I mean, just in the streets. And nobody ever breaks a fight up anymore. They just video it and post it live. You know, nobody wants to get involved. Well, that's none of my business, but let me post it on Facebook for 10 million people to see. (laughs) It is an intense emotion that involves enmity and antagonism towards another person as a response to certain threats, triggers, hurt, or provocation usually perceived to be deliberate by another individual in other words Todd provoked me deliberately to get me fired up and then my response is an intense emotion of outburst we're going to talk a little bit about that so let's go to the Greek because the New Testament is written in Greek I don't have my bifocals this morning I left them at home so I'm using readers and I can't see you clearly (laughs) I see my buddy Dave back there in the back holding up his yeah It's orge in the Greek and it it means wrath and it can impulsively lead to violent outburst. And it's usually those violent outbursts in anger is because I want to punish you for hurting me. The Bible says that um, God's anger is no more. If you would go to Isaiah 54, um, there is no more. He said, I was angry for but a moment, but I will never... He says, I will never be angry with you again. Do you know that God's not angry at the wicked every day? And his favor is forever in the same verse. That's right. How can he not count men's sins against them and be angry at them? Know what covenant you're under and know what terms and conditions you're under in that covenant. Um. There are several emotional possibilities that lead you to the root of your anger. Could you put that um, iceberg up there? Is that the next one? Yeah. When you see an iceberg, the, the biggest part of the iceberg isn't on the surface. It's under the surface. So when you see the iceberg, let's say that it's anger, this is how anger works, though, is like an iceberg underneath all of that anger and aggression and hostility and bitterness. There are issues that are causing that uh, guilt, disappointed. Has anybody ever been disappointed in life? Um, there is uh, regret and worry. You've been offended. You feel helpless. You're anxious. Maybe there was an abuse situation when you were younger. And all this is laying under the surface, but it comes out and is visible. Anger is one of the most visible emotions that we have. People know when you're angry. It comes out. Um, Distrust, jealousy, uh, embarrassed, grief. There's a whole lot of problems under the surface. Um, You know, if... If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I believe I could have gotten really angry when my mom died at 74, unexpectedly. But we'll move on from that one. A lot of times the root of anger is tension from past hurts and the fear of exposing those hurts or being judged and misunderstood. That's why... When there's not a safe place that's created for people to express their emotions, they won't express those emotions because of fear because they don't trust how people will look at them, how people might judge them. And God help us, the church is the worst at judging people because we have our own set of standards in whatever denomination or non-denomination church that we're in, and so we want people to... Talk a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way, look a certain way, and when they don't, we automatically start judging them. I mean, I, I would it's sad for us to say that in eight years we've tried to project to you to be non judgmental towards people when they walk in the building uh, because this is a judgment free zone. But I know there's been people that have walked in here with rainbow pins on and they won't come back because of the way they were treated. See, to me, that doesn't say anything about them. That says something about me. And what's the underlying, what are, what's one of those things that I disrespected them? No wonder they're angry at the church and angry at God. So we will go to Scripture, go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4. I want to look at verses 26 through 32 uh, this morning. We're going to look at what Paul said about anger. We're going to look at what Jesus said about anger because they're basically the same thing. Um, Paul says to the church at Ephesus in verse 26, be angry. So right there tells me that anger is an emotion that I can express. Be angry. You can be angry. But don't sin. So there is a point where your anger becomes sin. Sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 27, and do not let the devil, don't give him an opportunity or a foothold, one uh, translation says. Now, let me read it and then we'll go back and discuss it. The one who steals must no longer steal, but rather must do labor, producing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with the one who is in need. Verse 29, let no unwholesome word Come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you, along with malice. And Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven us anybody say man? thank you jesus for forgiving us let's break this down a little bit be angry let's set the record straight anger is not a sin against god it's not even a sin to god james 5 16 tells us that we should confess our sins trespasses our faults to one another doesn't say confess your sins to God. First John 1 John 1.9 is not a Christian's bar of soap to keep washing yourself of your sins. Oh, come on, if somebody help me. I'm, I'm talking about first John 1 John 1.9. In the Greek, the word confess is a one-time action verb. It shows a one-time confessing, and confessing means to say the same thing as. In that particular Usage of the word. So it's amazing. I've shared this with you before, but this is a good review. That when we are sick, we tell people to confess what the word says by his stripes we were healed. When there's lack, we tell people to say what the scripture says. Philippians says, My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. We're confessing what the scripture says. All good and perfect gifts come down from the Father. I've been blessed with all spiritual gifts, everything that pertains to life and godliness. So that's what I confess when there's lack or need. But when it comes to sin, we're telling people to constantly confess their wrongs, their faults, their hurt. Confess what the Word says about your your sins. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God's not counting men's sins against them. 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrong. I mean, we can go on and on and on. Confess what the Word says. So you confess your sin to, the, to God saying, yes, I believe that you took him at the cross and the blood of Jesus has washed all of my sins away as far as the east is from the west. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you. The word cleanse there in the Greek shows a, a, a one-time action that keeps on going. The cross, the blood of Jesus, you were forgiven at the cross, not when you asked for forgiveness. And since that point, when we've confessed and believed, then that blood keeps cleansing us. If I get angry at Lisa, and I lash out at Lisa, and the flow of blessing (laughs) from Lisa to me ceases because I've got this issue, she doesn't have the issue, I've got the issue, and so now I'm not receiving from her the blessing that I can receive from her, romantically, intimately, just in conversation, I've stopped that blow, that flow, then I, I go, not so that we can get married again, our relationship never changed, I'm still married to Lisa, she's still married to me, I didn't take the ring off and put it in the drawer, we're still married. But I go to Lisa and I ask, I, I tell Lisa I'm sorry for what I did, that outburst of my anger. Because now I can receive from her what I need from her. And we in exchange that flow keeps going. God never stops sending the blessing. The blessing of God is always flowing. Matthew said it. Uh, the blessings are chasing after you. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the country. I'm blessed in my going, I'm blessed in my coming. It says in Deuteronomy, the blessing shall overtake you. But when in your mind... See, we were at enmity with God in our own minds, Colossians says. Isn't it amazing that we've preached for so long that sin separates you from God and God hates sin? God hates what sin does to his children. Wrecking and ruining your life. But he's still chasing after you, just like the song said. Adam didn't go looking for God when he ate of the tree. God came looking for Adam. And he's never stopped chasing mankind. Listen to this. Confess your sins, faults, trespasses to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. What needs healed in America today is relationships between people. In the context of Ephesians four twenty-six through thirty-two, Paul is addressing what anger leads to. Express it, he says, but don't let it lead to false trespasses and sins against each other and towards one another. Then he says, "Don't give place to the devil, or don't give him an opportunity." The word "devil" in that passage and in all of The New Testament. When you see "devil," it is not a capitalized word in the original language that means that guy with red horns, a tail, and a pitchfork. It's "accuser," the accuser of the brethren. Do you know that Jesus looked at Peter one time and he said, "Get behind me, Satan." Was Peter Satan? No. No. He's saying, you're anti-Christ right now, what, because he said he would go to the, and defend him. What did he say about going to the cross? He was talking about going to Jerusalem, and no, you're not going to do that. You, you can't do that. Well, that was against what Christ came to do, and so as he began to uh, impede that progress, or he began to um, come against what Christ was supposed to do, that was an attitude or a spirit of Satan, and he said, get behind me. So devil is the accuser. Don't allow the accuser in. Because when the accuser gets in, he will feed that that, uh, anger that's in you. You will start feeling condemned. You will start feeling uh, um, depressed and anxiety and shame and guilt. Now what Paul then begins to do as he says, don't let the accuser in. For most... Do you know when the battle really rages? And the battle's in the mind. The battle really rages when your mind calms down and slows down from the busyness of the day and you get ready to go to bed. Your mind is racing. That's why Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give that accuser a foothold. Then he begins to discuss with us in the context of anger, he begins to talk to us about the way that we should act towards one another, te- treat one another, how we should respond to one another. And the first thing he says is stop stealing from one another. I could go a long way with that one. And what he adds to that is work. Now, in, at Grace Life, we tell you that your works and labors have ceased for righteousness, but your works and labor for a paycheck has not ceased. And we've got a country full of people that won't work. Lisa and I went to the Huntington Mall for the first time in quite a while Friday night on our date night, and at 4.35 o'clock in the evening, there were places closed down, and they had signs up that just don't have enough workers, can't open. They can't get people to work. You know, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's what Paul was telling them. And the reason he was telling them is they were waiting for something to happen that he said, well, that's probably already happened. It's not going to be the way you think it's going to be. So quit just laying around and being couch potatoes. Get up and work. And the reason that we work and earn a wage, then we can pay our bills and we can have a roof over our head and shoes on our feet and a car to drive and food in our belly, but to also be a blessing. That's what Paul said there. Don't steal, work, and from your fruit of your labor, share. If you see a need, share. Then he says, clean up the way you talk to people. 99.9% of all preaching on that particular scripture, pastors, preachers, ministers, and evangelists will go to talking about four-letter dirty words. And some of you need to clean those up. <laughs> especially on Facebook. That's not what he's talking about here in the context. Here in the context, he's talking about there's a lot of rotten, threatening, and triggering language that goes on amongst people. When you make a threat towards someone, if I intentionally... I I, I have a few trigger points, buttons that you could push. Uh, and if you do that deliberately, you might see the man of God have an outburst of anger. <laughs> Um, but what are well, you pointing at, Matthew? <laughs> he's back there pushing my buttons is what he's doing. <laughs> um, I'll just be really blunt and honest with you. Name-calling is a button for me. I don't know if it's because of bullying in school, but name-calling just is something that I don't believe should go on whether you're in the second grade or you're 42 years in the workforce. Um A lot of rotten language goes on. Help me hold a ghost in political discussions. The best thing to do is if you have a different political view from someone else, is just don't talk to them about it. I might have a different political view than Gary, but we both like to fish and hunt. Let's talk about fishing and hunting. I'll talk to you about Disney all day long ins and outs, secrets, all types of stuff. But I'm not going to get into a debate with you over political views because I don't care if you talk red or if you talk blue or if you don't talk blue or red either way. Most of the time, the discussion that you want to have is to prove that you're right. I lost my desire to be right a long time ago. Not actually, about eight years ago, <laughs> not a long time ago. Found out it's been a lot more peaceful then, and then I don't antagonize people to anger, and they don't antagonize me to, to anger. Um, Paul says that your language should be a good word. It should be encouraging. It should be edifying. It should address the need. See, that's the problem. We'll talk here about it in just a second. We're not hearing people's needs. We're not hearing the cry of people's hearts so that we can speak the good word, the encouraging word, the edifying word, so that when we walk away from those individuals, we have administered and they have heard grace. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then he goes on to say here in this Ephesians 4, 26 through 32, remove anger that leads to clamor. Do you know what clamor means? No shouting. We have that one. No shouting. Remove anger that leads to shouting. Now, if Matthew is upstairs in his room with the door shut and probably YouTube playing on his television and I'm downstairs, I'm going to shout and say, dinner's ready. Ready? That's not the shouting I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the shouting where your son intercepted the pass and ran 99 yards in the conference championship to win, and you shout and celebrate. I'm not, that's not the shouting I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you are this close to an individual, and they triggered you, and now you're shouting at them, and your rage is coming out. He said, remove all anger that leads to shouting. Have you checked the tone of your voice? Lisa has to tell me all the time in restaurants. She said your voice is so loud. I said, "I'm sorry. I don't I'm not trying to be." Remove all anger that leads to slander. You know, Andy, 25, 30 years ago, I don't even know how long Facebook has been around, but there there weren't any keyboard warriors. People might say something, but nobody paid attention to it. But now you post something, and 10 million people have the ability to view it, and you've got a platform, and the language that you're using is slanderous towards ethnic groups, towards genders, towards transgenders, towards religious people. To me, on the surface when I see this, I have to say, well, there's probably something going on down here that is really the issue Then he says, remove all malice. Look at the definition in the Greek for the word malice. You can put that on the screen there. Ill will. A desire to injure. When you have malice, your intentions, when your anger gets to such a point, your intention is to hurt and harm someone. A lot of times that's with words. But there is such rage in people these days that they want to bodily harm someone. Paul says to remove that. See, in the context of Ephesians 4, we're talking about our responses, our reactions, our attitudes towards one another. And we've got to remove that, clean it up. And then lastly, he says, be kind to one another, compassionate, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God The Father forgave us. So question, what did Jesus say when it came to anger? What did Jesus say? Go to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Is this helping anyone? Let me say this kindly and tenderly and sweetly. If your first thought today as you're hearing this message about anger is about someone else and their anger, I have a mirror downstairs in my office. that I need to look into as well. Because we all have anger. We don't all express it the same way. Uh, And anger is an emotion that God created you with. But what did Jesus say? I want to bring a teaching out just for the next couple of minutes from Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 22, that I believe will enlighten you and cause you to think. Let's read it together. Then I want to discuss a few words that will help you see uh, this scripture in a much different way than it has ever been presented, I believe. But I say to you that, this is Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be answered. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It's a. It's the closest, except for the Lavender's translation and the Young's literal translation to the Greek Um in a translation that we have without going to other books to to search it out. So the New American Standard Bible, and Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be answerable to the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, low down rotten, it really just says you good for nothing, shall be answerable to the Supreme Court. Not of the United States, you'll see that here in just a second. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. The court in first century Judaism, when Jesus was alive walking the planet, was the appointed judges in each city or each tribe. So each major city had their own judge that had been appointed and the each tribe um, being Gad, Issachar, if you ever went to fellowship youth camp, you know all the tribes of Israel, um, Dan, but they each had their own tribe or their own judge in those tribes. So if there was a matter that you expressed your anger, and especially if that anger and, and the basis was what? What did they judge and rule on? the law. The first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, the law of Moses, the 613 laws. And so if there was an issue, and locally in each city or in with each tribe, if someone's anger led to murder, only those judges in that city could rule on capital punishment. Because the Old Testament said an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth an arm for an arm, and if you took someone's life, your life was required of you. I'm going to chase a rabbit. I hope I don't go too down far a hole. Uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I would show a show of hands, how many are pro-life? Do you believe in the death penalty? Then you're not pro-life. Are you anti-war, anti-genocide, anti-euthanasia? Hey, I'm a hey. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm not against abortion, but I'm for the woman that's having the issue more than I'm against what she's trying to make a decision for. So, old covenant law there was capital punishment. Under the new covenant, there is no capital punishment. There are not, I'm not saying there's not consequences and that shouldn't, someone shouldn't go to prison. But folks, do you think that Jesus would have a murderer brought to him and that he would condemn him to death? He already took that man's death or that woman's death. So why would he want them to die? He wants to love on them and bring new life to them. Give them hope. Even if that hope is behind bars for 35 years. What, baby? Yeah, or life. (laughs) Yeah. Or life behind bars. He still wants to give them new life. I don't know how I got there from telling you that the court that these people went to for their anger was a local court. But then it says... And whoever calls or says to their brother, you are good for nothing, shall be answerable to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court here was the Sanhedrin. It started all the way back with Moses when God told Moses to appoint 71 judges. And so the Sanhedrin always had 71 judges in it. And if there were as a matter that the local government uh, judges couldn't handle or the tribal judges couldn't handle, it went to the Supreme Court... Uh, the Sanhedrin, and then there were other matters brought to the Sanhedrin as well that dealt with the laws. They also appointed kings, and they appointed the 23 judges that were in the major cities as well. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. How many of you... Believe that that means that they will be cast into the everlasting fire forever and ever to burn. Hell. You're going to hell, brother. Well, in most translations, whether it says hell or whatever it might say, there is, my Bible had a little letter there, C. And that means there's a footnote at the bottom. So I went down and I looked at that footnote. And that footnote says Gehenna the king james language we, language in writing has done a very poor job in translating the word hell we in american churches have told people that their anger will send them to hell and then most have this picture of somebody falling forever in utter darkness where the worm dies not and there's fire all the time That's Dante's Inferno. That's not the biblical hell. Okay. The word Gehenna here, how many of you have ever been to Israel? On your trip to Israel, they more than likely, if you went with us, we went to the Valley of Hinnom. Hebrew, the word is Valley of Hinnom. The Aramaic word, which most have used and a lot of translation came into the King James, was Gehenna. It's the same geographical location. It's not a spiritual place it, guys, I'm telling you what's in the Scripture. I'm not trying to make anything up or just try to sway your opinion. I do believe in a biblical hell. Okay? Let's just get that matter out of the way. But we have condemned people, and because of their anger into a punishment that lasts forever when in the Scripture it says it is a geographical location where there was a fire burning and where people couldn't afford to be buried were just thrown over the wall. And the worm didn't die because there were bodies decaying all the time. And these court systems, in the context of this scripture, either the local court or the supreme court, based upon anger towards your brother, Jesus was saying that those two court systems, according to the law, he's, he's, his context here is the law of Moses, the Torah, and he's saying that if if you do this, if you if you have anger towards your brother, and the way that you need to settle it is to go to the local local judge and let him work that thing out with you and if not okay then you might have to go to the supreme court And the supreme court rules it might be that if you've called your brother a fool you're going to be cast over the wall into the valley of hinnom where the worm dies not and bodies burn all the time and that's where they burn their trash as well and they still do to this day hope i'm not busting anyone's bubble During the late first temple period, Gehenna, or the valley of Hinnom, was the site where some of the kings of Judah sacrificed their children by fire. Context, Jeremiah 7.31. Thereafter, it was cursed by the biblical prophet Jeremiah in chapter 19, verses 2 through 6. And in later Jewish rabbinic literature, Gehenna became associated with divine punishment in Jewish apocryphal writing but not in the Holy Scriptures. It's been mistranslated, misinterpreted. It really means Gehenna, and in some places when you see hell, it's just simply the grave. When you die, they bury your body, and they put you in the grave. Anger <laughs> is not a sin against God. Any amens? anger will not send you to eternal punishment some if you agree say amen if you don't that's okay but sin, anger can lead and destroy lead to and destroy your relationships and you can end up living hell on earth and that's what we have a desire to help people get out of Anger becomes sin, if you write anything down today, write this down. Anger becomes sin when it directly opposes the spirit of love. We have not been left lawless, but we've been given the law of the spirit and life and love. And so, in the spirit of love... And life, we speak life over those situations. We clean up our filthy, rotten talk. And if it's not a good, encouraging, edifying word that meets the need of the situation, it's better for us just to be quiet. So how does the Father, and I'll wrap it up with this, Frank, if you'll get ready to come. How does our Father teach us to respond? How does our Father teach us to respond? If anger, in the context that we're learning it, is our, and it becomes sin when we, Uh, trespass or have faults with our brothers and sisters and we mistreat them, how does our Father want us to respond? Number one, with no retaliation. We're never supposed to repay evil with evil. Romans 12, 17. The Father didn't retaliate. Can you imagine how the Father must have felt? I'm quoting Lisa right now. Can you imagine how the Father must have felt when Jesus was wounded deeply, cut not only with spears and nails, but with words, the Father didn't retaliate. He could have blown that mountain up completely and destroyed everybody, but He didn't retaliate. Restrain it. Proverbs 29.11 says that a fool always loses his temper but a wise person holds it back or controls it reevaluate it don't retaliate restrain it reevaluate it james 1:19 says here's how i need to reevaluate it be quick to listen slow to speak we've got those two backwards for a long time and slow to become angry release it. Colossians 3.8 Paul tells the Colossians the same thing that he told the Ephesians. Rid yourself of all anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene speech. A lot of people become verbally abusive when they're angry. That's obscene speech. Release it. And then learn to rest in the finished work. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29. It says, are you burnout on religion? You frustrated? Come and take, find how to really take a rest. Learn from me. Watch the way I do it. Work with me. And I'll show you the unforced rhythms of grace. That's called the flow. Managing your anger takes growing in that grace and that knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Managing anger takes letting and allowing Holy Spirit to comfort you, to calm you, and to teach you in those moments so that you can restrain it and reevaluate it and release it. And a lot of times it's just a moment of Sila. Pause. Just slow down and pause. Meditate. Think about it before you respond. I know there's a, a, a plethora of reasons, a variety of situations going on in people's lives, and a lot of times we don't know the backstory. And when we don't know the backstory, it's better for us not to try to uh, assume what's going on because you're not what, you know what assuming does, don't you? Uh, just look at the Word and you'll figure it out. <laughs> but as you stand to your feet this morning maybe you're even angry at god because of a loss you know i don't i don't know maybe some people lose a loved one and they become angry at that person that they lost i've heard people say well, you lost, you left me too early or i needed you there's just a an anger there maybe you're angry in your marriage maybe you have kids that you're angry at a brother or sister that's estranged I don't know all of your situations, but this morning what I want you to do in this moment is what's the underlying, That, that emo, the anger emotion is secondary to really something else that's going on below the surface. Is there a hurt there that you haven't allowed Jesus to come in and heal you of? Is there still guilt and condemnation, shame, because of something that you did before and you've not released it and because of that now you get angry at other people think about it just close your eyes and meditate on it where where does the holy spirit will you allow him in this morning I mean, he's already in you but really in those rooms that you haven't unlocked the door to to give him access this morning would you just begin to meditate and pray if you want to pray at your seat standing kneeling setting or if you want to pray at the altar I'm going to ask Frank to sing, and then as they sing, we'll come back and we're going to pray with you.